Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here on a Monday. Let's check the date. Yep, August 21st, year of our Lord, 2023. Hey, so glad that you have joined us for this round of devotionals. Now, if you're if you're new to this or first time in a long time, let me explain what we do. We take the passage that we're going to be preaching on that upcoming Sunday and we use the week prior, Monday through Friday, 10 or 15 minutes each, each day at 8 a.m., to begin to unpack that passage together. And the idea is that you are getting a, a glimpse of how um, I'm working through a passage, so it helps me in terms of preparation for the sermon, but hopefully it'll be helpful to you as well, and that it gives you some tools for biblical interpretation, for for self-feeding in terms of studying and applying the Word of God for yourself. And so that's what we do, and we use this illustration um, of, of, of a set of concentric circles. So just think about circles inside of a circle inside of a circle. And if at the center circle is the central meaning of the text, our goal is to get there, uh, understand the text, be able to faithfully um, apply the text, and we do this, though, by starting on the outskirts, by looking at the context, how is the passage situated, what's happening before, what's happening after the passage, uh, remembering that when Matthew wrote his gospel, he did not include chapters and verses. He wrote it as one long biography. And so while there are certain movements and flows and, and um, sections in Matthew's letter, there's also some underlying themes and narrative which connect it all. So with that, with that said, let me read the passage we're gonna be digging into this week, and then let's start on that outside circle and begin to ask questions and try to situate the passage in the flow of the book. So this is Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the disciples saw this, they said to his disciples, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, Matthew 9, and we've said all the way through that Matthew is not writing just to write. He's writing with a central purpose. He's writing with a particular um, emphasis, something that he wants to communicate to those who are reading this, this book. And because he's writing to, to Jews and Jewish Christians, he's wanting to show how Jesus is the long-awaited, long-anointed uh, Messiah, that he, in fact, is the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy and that he is the, the rightful heir to the throne of David. So the kingship of Jesus is really important, is a central theme. And as we've seen um, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus teaches with the authority of a king, right? He's given the rules, decrees of what it means to be a part of his kingdom. But then in Matthew 8 and 9, he's doing the works of a king. He's showing his 
power. He's showing his authority by virtue of the fact that he is um, able to heal and do supernatural things. Now, this past week, we were in Matthew 9, 1 through 8, and we saw how Matthew begins to distill the works of Jesus, what he's doing, and to give us a, a theological rationale or a, or a theological implication of the fact that Jesus has authority, authority with his words, authority over his actions and supernatural. And last week we saw that because of this, Jesus also has the authority to forgive sins. And I think it's this that really unlocks what we see next in Matthew, okay? So, so here in this passage, coming right off the heels of this idea that Jesus has authority to forgive sins, what do we see? We see a passage full of sinners, okay? Um, obviously, Matthew himself is a great sinner. And we know this by virtue of the fact that tax collectors in that era were pariah. They were persona non grata. They were in league with the Romans. Um, they were very wealthy. They made their money off the backs of the Israelite people, and they were hated. They were enemy number one. And it shows here um, Jesus calling Matthew to follow him. The next thing we see um, is that Jesus as is reclining um, and eating with many tax collectors and sinners, okay? So it seems that this conversion of Matthew's or this call of Matthew's um, is, has, been, has given rise or occasion to other people that would be viewed naturally as, as sinners, as those who were unclean in that society um, to follow Jesus as well. Now, one of the things that I think is, is helpful here is in order to get the full scope of the passage, we also would want to look at what Mark and Luke also say about this passage, okay? And one of the things you're going to find, and again, that's your homework for tonight, is you're going to find that one reason we think that Matthew wrote this gospel is because of the way he refers to himself as Matthew. The other um, gospel writers refer to Matthew here as Levi. Now, I'm not going to give you the, well, actually, let me just say this. I'm, I need to explore that more myself, okay? That, 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 that's a question I'm asking of the text. What's the difference in those two? And we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, but, but it's seemingly um, what we have here. Um, when we think about in that culture, who were um, regarded as sinners? Okay, so certainly tax collectors, prostitutes, um, those who did not observe the Sabbath, people that we would um, think are lawbreakers, the, the low of culture. And what Jesus is doing here. Um, he says he's having fellowship. And, and this would have been like a faithful Jew having dinner fellowship or table fellowship with a Gentile. It was something that would mark you as unclean. It was something seen as not just not proprietary, 
but it would be seen as, as an act of defilement. It would be seen as something that a faithful Jew, a good Jew, would not do. And here we, though, have um, Jesus, in fact, doing that. And, in fact, this gives rise to the question, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus goes on to say, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So here is the pivotal teaching here that Jesus gets to. He's giving us the reason why he eats with tax collectors and sinners. And that's a question that we want to explore. Why is it? And how is this saying, those who have, are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick, what, is, what does that mean? Okay. So, so again, at this point in time of studying this passage, we're marking several things that we want to follow up on questions that that we have so the first would be what do the other scripture writers say um, why does matthew refer to himself as one thing and the other scripture writers refer to him as another um, are there other things in the other gospels that can give us a clue as to where they were gathering um, who were some of these other tax collectors and sinners so that that would be a question um, we want to say the scribes are asking a question, and that seems to be the question of the text. And it's a question that we want to explore. Why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Okay. Then we want to mark off verse 12, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. That seems obvious. What does that have to do with being a sinner? What does that have to do with what Jesus is doing? And then finally, verse 13, I desire mercy and not sacrifice so jesus seems to be quoting something there what is it that he's quoting okay and so one of the things that you've heard me say before and i encourage you to do it is to find a good commentary for matthew or even a good study bible is is sufficient the esv study bible um, or the reformation study bible these are or niv study bible these are all these are all good translations with good notes and in those, you're going to find not just commentary on these verses, but you're also going to find cross-references. Okay, so verse 13, for example, I'm looking here. Um, I deserve mercy, not sacrifice. Um, I'm finding on my tablet that seems to be cited from Hosea 6.6. 6. So one of the things we want to do in studying this passage is go back to Hosea 6.6. 6, okay, um, again... This first day is a day for gathering facts about the text, listing out questions that we might have, and using this as an opportunity to go explore further. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Paul, th this all seems like a lot of work. <laughs> this seems like a lot of labor for just a few verses. And on one hand, we want to say yes. And, and you may say, well, does that mean that we always need to study all parts of God's Word all the time in this way? And the answer is no. I think there's a couple of ways to read. Okay, and this will be our Bible study lesson for today. There's a couple of ways to read the scriptures. One is to read for what we would call um, flow or scope or um, getting the big picture. And 
So we can do that by doing a chronological study of the Bible or reading through the Bible in a year or two years and working through passages and where we're reading, we're not pausing every second to ask the level of detail we are asking here. We're just reading to kind of get the big picture, the scope of the biblical story as it flows through the Bible. What we're doing here is a more detailed, what we would call exegesis or exposition to expose the text. And really, um, both of those things need to be a part of our regular study of God's Word. Okay? And that can happen in a couple of ways. One, in your personal devotions, you might um, be reading through the Bible for scope. But in uh, a Bible study you're a part of, or your community group, or um, maybe in a, in a different one-off study, you are studying um, smaller portions of Scripture or books of the Bible for their detailed content, for their exposition. And let me just say that both of those are really needed. And what we try to do here in this time is give you a model for expositing. And the first model is get the big picture, get the, get the scope, try to situate Matthew's text, this story in the larger scope of Matthew. How does it connect with what's gone before? And then as we do that, bullet out the questions that we have that we can use for further study. So that's your homework. Go read the other Gospels. What do they say about this? Go follow up some of these phrases in these citations that where Jesus seems to be quoting someone else. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then when you do that, I'll do that. And we'll come back in here tomorrow ready to continue digging into Matthew chapter 9. All right, let me pray. Lord, we want to be diligent students of your word. Um, we want to rightly apply it to our hearts and lives. And so give us grace, mercy, um, to be able and faithfulness to do this in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow, Tuesday.